It's great to be able to give a report on what our Take Back Black Friday offering last year has done at Bridge of Hope, and the ministry that we helped in Southeast Asia has a similar report that we'll hope to give to you soon. But in, in both of these ministries and in all of the proposals that we received from organizations who wanted to be considered for our Take Back Black Friday offering, one of the questions we asked was, beyond just the dollars, beyond just the money we give you, how can we be involved? And as you heard Lydia say, come, come and help, come and help. And that's a wonderful way to wrap up, which is what we're doing today, this series that we've been in uh, called The Power of Small, How Little Things Make a Big Difference. And so for the last several weeks, we've been looking at situations in the ministry of Jesus Christ that, that maybe were relatively small comparatively, but had this huge impact on people's lives and on God's kingdom building work. And last week, Adam challenged us individually, as families, as groups, as a church, to ask that question, how is God using us and how can God use us to make a difference for His kingdom here in our community and around the world? And so we're going to do something different today, not of a regular sermon, but a panel. And I'm excited to welcome two really special guests with us today. Brad Wass is a member of our church with his wife, Patty. Um, he, Brad is serving right now as the director of multicultural church planting in the central district of the Evangelical Free Church. So that's um, Iowa and Missouri, a little bit of Arkansas. And uh, he and Patty have been missionaries in, in South Africa, a lot of experience, and he's, he's going to have a lot to share with us today. Laura Callis is also with us. Laura has been on staff at First Free for well, over 25 years. That alone is a really, really good achievement. Thank you, Laura, for, for loving and serving here so well. She served in many capacities. Um, not long ago, Laura was the director of Surf St. Louis, and she coordinated not just our church, but a lot of churches in the region, as well as projects for them to do to connect churches and ministries with needs in our community to be able to serve. And she currently serves as the coordinator for local and regional outreach here at First Free. So our topic today, you're just going to be listening in on our conversation. Our topic today is, how can we make a difference? So think of this as sort of the application panel of this entire series about how to make a difference. I think it's important to begin with everyday living, guys. Um, what, what, why is it important to begin with the everyday Christian life when we start talking about make a difference with our families, our friends, our coworkers, and our classmates. Brad, I'll let you start with that. Well, John, we just sang that incredible song, I Run to the Father. And it's, a, it's such a picture of, of my need for this gospel of grace every single day that my heart needs a surgeon. And so I run to him because it's the gospel that's our hope. And Colossians 1.27 speaks to that. It says, Christ in you the hope of glory. He's placed Christ in us to dwell within us. What an incredible privilege. And so what's God's plan? It's us. We are God's plan to the world. And so he's, he's using us. And it's amazing how, you know, Patty and I just celebrated 30 years of marriage and we have five children and we've got one at home. So we're close to becoming empty nesters. Uh, but what we're amazed by is the privilege to be part of a family. And we moved our entire family over to South Africa and we brought all of our belongings on a 20-foot container. And one of the things we brought with us was our home table that meant home is where we are as a family. And then what we, did, we saw is the nations gathering around that same table. And it was such a beautiful picture of how, how, 
Uh, I learned what it meant to live out the gospel through a family in university, and I longed for that. And then we as a family lived out the gospel in South Africa. And I brought uh, a reminder of the many nation, the students that were represented from the University of Cape Town that have written their blessings saying, you're our mom and dad to us. You, you've treated us. And now to see them having their own family and being a father to the fatherless to many others. And so God's given us that incredible privilege. That's his calling card. He's a father to the fatherless calling us to be the same. I love that symbol of your taking your dining room table from, from here, St. Louis to South Africa, almost like you're not going to be different there than you are here. And I think that's important for us because if, if I'm not reaching across the street to reach my neighbor or loving my family or my coworkers or my classmates, uh, it's sort of uh, unreasonable to think that we're going to sign up for an outreach team or go be a missionary somewhere else and do what we're not doing here. I love that. Laura, what about you? Why is it important to start right where we are? Well, you know, why is it important for us to share? Because Christ has changed our lives. We are no longer the same people we were when we first met him, and I think that's important. Oftentimes, I think that um, we think that we can live as good people and look like Christians and never say anything. So it's not, so the communication of the gospel is not just with our lives, but it's also with our words. And that's a challenge, I think. So it, they really do go hand in hand. And I, I would urge you to sit back and think, how did you hear the gospel? How was your life first challenged when you um, uh, were an unbeliever just walk, stepping into faith? It was through the life and the words of somebody that spoke truth to you. And if you would just follow along with that, what are some of the common reasons people have for not getting involved? And how did you kind of overcome those in your own personal life to take that step to be involved? You know, we all have our comfort zones that we kind of, kind of stick to. And we think, oh, God's going to use us within this bubble. But it's really more than that. And he it really wants us to go outside of our comfort zones. And I think we saw that even in years past when here at First Free, we had this time where in our each worship service where we shook hands and how uncomfortable that made even us from believer to believer and how much more God wants us to extend our hands of fellowship to uh, our neighbor, to our workmate. I remember uh, a gal in ESL, she was an engineer for Boeing and she, uh, she was a Muslim and she and we were talking, she says, I have no friends. I have no friends at work because I eat alone every day. Nobody will join me. You know, so that's the reason why. That's so important. And to recognize that fear that sometimes sets us back and, and, and teaches, tells us things that aren't really true, that people are different or they don't want to listen to me or, or, or some of those lies that we can believe that keep us from trusting what God says he will do when he builds those relationships. Um, along with that, uh, I hear commonly that people don't want to hear about the gospel, that lost people are resistant to the gospel, and that leads in, plays into that fear, or at least I feel like I'm off the hook a little bit. Um, what about you, Brad? What about your experience with that? What would you say to someone who says that, you know, lost people out there, they're resistant to the gospel, they don't want to hear it? You know, last week, Adam did a great job talking about Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, it clearly says that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
And uh, it's so easy for us uh, to, to miss that. And Jesus had compassion. He, he, went, he saw people. He, he sees them where they are. And uh, I like to bike. I get out and bike. And I was riding 63 miles with a couple friends the other day. And we had a long ride. And this friend of mine who does not know Christ asked me three great gospel questions. So we had a long time to talk. And, uh, and I think people are, are very open to the gospel. But entering into the midst of that, especially in this COVID season where people are, are very alone and they, they need engagement, they need each other. And so being able to enter into that season, we see even in Luke chapter 15 where uh, Jesus tells a parable to the Pharisees and the scribes and he tells about a lost coin, a lost sheep, and two lost sons. And the significance of that is how easy it is for even us in the church to miss that, that that older brother that did everything right. And there's that tendency for this gap that we have a lot of information in the church, but how much do we really obey? How much uh, there's that gap between what we know and how we obey. And, and, and so that older brother was called to obey and he just missed it. He, he missed that obedience. And so that obedience of being able to go and to love people where they are. What if that older brother had said, oh, welcome home, brother, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. And how easy it is for us to miss that and not go. And we're afraid because of fear, like Laura says. I remember I was afraid and 40 years ago when I first came to faith in Christ. And even today, God uses my weakness to declare his glory. And I still need to desperately spend time in prayer with him and ask him to do the work because it's his mission and he simply uses us. Yeah, I love that thought because sometimes we need to be reminded that we feel fearful or we're going to jump through this real wall that we've got to reach out to someone and they're not going to like us and they're not going to want to hear this. But, but the very same God that's prompting me or you to go share with them is already working on the other side of that as well. And we need to be very mindful of that. What about you, Laura? What do you say to people if, that would say people are resistant to the gospel they don't want to hear? Well, I think uh, to remember that all of us were lost at one point. Okay. All of us were without God. And because of pride, I think especially in America, but because I can speak to this context, but people don't want you to know that they are lost. Mm -hmm. And God has to, God through his Holy Spirit has to work in their hearts to help them identify their lostness. Yeah. He has to, and oftentimes he does that through the difficult times of life, yeah. like this, the pandemic or even more personal, things that are more personal. And so, um, just remember that God is, God is at work in, in, um, in our lives. But I think it's also too important to realize that we're just a small piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. That God has, think about all the people that God used in your life to draw you to Christ. And I know I have many. It took two years for me to, to hear the gospel, see people's lives. He has that for each other, every other person. And then he may use you to sprinkle in some grace, but he also uses other people behind. So if you don't get to lead someone to Christ, it doesn't mean that you weren't an integral part of their lives. That takes a lot of the pressure off, doesn't it? Yeah, it that does. You, you need yeah, to actually exactly. close this deal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to close the door. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Talk a little bit, Laura, if you would, about how what drives you personally to build relationships with other people, which might lead to sharing your story. Well, for me, it's the reality 
of knowing that without Christ, people are going to go to hell. Mm -hmm. They're going to be lost. They are lost and without God for eternity. And that hell is not just a word. It's a place where people go where there's darkness, there's pride, there's um, no beauty, no human touch that is kind and gentle. And I know from it, it strikes home personally for me, and it may for you too, because I ha I've experienced that with uh, friends and family, where when they leave this earth, their earthly body, they're separated with God. The reality that they are separated from God forever just touches my heart, and I realize how important that message is for me to communicate, and that I, I want to be a part of that, mm -hmm. and I care about them. So That's a powerful reminder. What about you, Brad? What drives you? Yeah, I would say the same with Laura, and, uh, and also just the fact that I desperately need this gospel of grace on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. and, and when I'm able to share the gospel with others, it, 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 it communicates to my heart, boy, this is what I need, because the gospel is the hope for our world. And so even in the midst of the gospel being the hope of our world, is the gospel transforming and changing me? Uh, is the gospel transforming me in such a way where I ask for the same heart of the Father, that the Father's heart would be my heart? And so, John, one thing I pray is I pray first, and I prayed this for 40 years, First Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13, and may the Lord cause an increase and abound in love for one another and for all people, just as we also do for you so that he would establish your hearts unblameable in holiness. Jesus Christ is coming soon, my friends. And so the other thing that motivates me is teamwork, that we are, Jesus sends us out two by twos. And so having a friend that is also bold in the gospel, I mean, you see in Acts chapter three where Peter and John are going to the synagogue and bam, they heal a man. And, and 5,000 people come to faith in Christ. And, and two men impact the whole community and you see transformation and and so it's that desire to walk with Jesus with others and just be bold to see the gospel lived out and you've actually uh, talk, share a little bit we, we talked earlier this week and spent an hour going through this and your your model of multiplication and how you've used that has been really helpful could you share that a little bit sure you yeah you know we have a multicultural team i've got renato who's uh, latino i've got george who's burmese we've got Worku, who's african and andre he's african-american and as acts 13 speaks of we've got people from different nations yeah. and we see heaven in revelation 7 9 people from every tongue and tribe and people and nation mm -hmm. worshiping that salvation yeah. belongs to yes. the lord and so how can our church today look like that mm -hmm. how can we reflect the image of god amongst yeah. all people yeah. and you know there's some great resources and i brought some along today uh brian loritz has written a great book called uh right color wrong culture C1, C2, we need C2 leaders today that are able to cross into cultures mm -hmm. and just develop friendships. I mean, think about it, John. If each of us were able to lead two people to faith in Christ, and as Adam mm -hmm. talked about last week, praying for workers, but what kind of workers are we praying for? Uh, praying for Asian workers, yeah. praying for Latino workers, mm -hmm. praying for uh, African-American workers, and that we would do that together mm -hmm. 
and teamwork to represent and to mm -hmm. and to communicate the gospel of Christ. So we and that, we, that is really important because and we're we're talking about now is how we can bridge that. And both of you have this experience, kind of bridging that gap, racial gap, ethnic gap. Um, and I think that's important for us to know because our world is really exploding right now. Amen. And we in the church have the solution. There are a lot of proposed solutions out there. So keep going in, in, in what you see and how you're engaging culturally, racially, and ethnically. I want people to hear what you're doing. Well, that ties in really well. We, were, yes. we use a resource uh, called Multi-Ethnic Conversations because, and Laura and I are in this group with about eight to ten of us, people around the city, but it's a great tool to be able to say, how do we begin to engage this whole racial issue going on in America? How do we begin to engage in a way where we take responsibility? And John Perkins talks about in his book, uh, Relocation. Maybe there's an opportunity for us to be like salt in the salt shaker where we start moving around the city instead of staying in our comfort zones and going across boundaries that we wouldn't otherwise have done. And that's key, John, and I think that's essential, but now we can the, do that together. With the multicultural conversation cohorts, is that something that oh, yes. members of our church could be involved in at some We're point? We're starting another group in October, so if people want to join us, and uh, by the way, I have extra copies of Right Color on Culture. My wife has them. If people want to begin to engage in that, that's a good tool, and we can start in October. They can email and Great. let us know. Because equipping and training people is really, really important. That's right. And, Laura, talk, talk to us a little bit about your ministry and how you see this gospel ministry being able to break down those racial, ethnic walls. You know, I've had the privilege of um, leading and, um, and being a part of an English as a Second Language class here at First Free ESL. And through that, I have met um, numerous people from all over the world. And I, it, it began to make me think that all of us, not, they weren't the only uh, foreigners, they weren't the only um, uh, people from, the only foreigners, but each one of us are foreigners. And none of us really belong here. We, we kind of, um, so I want you to think about your own heritage. Where did your family come from? Mine comes from Japan. And I know that, um, before World War II, they were a welcome part of their community. And then my family was interned, and they went back to their neighborhoods, and they were no longer welcome. And I think it's easy to think that um, we're all going to find friendship or relationship somewhere. And I wonder sometimes how different it would be for my family, my people, had somebody stepped up and said, welcome, welcome, ho welcome home. Not just meet them for the first time, but welcome back. And so um, I also too, and just like my family, and I'm sure your families, they all come with a dream. And today, in today's world, it's not just for a better life, it's for life. Mm -hmm. It's for the safety of their children and safety of their, of their families. It's f to find a job in a place where they haven't been able to work in a long, long time. And it's finding security, and it's finding community and acceptance. And so I would say, rather than making their, their, what they want their dream to be, make, that, make their dream a reality. 
so that they know that America really is a place of many colors. Yeah. It's a place of valuable people. Yeah. And um, so. John, if I could just sure. real quickly with Laura's comment. We, we just discussed from the book of Revelation that the seven churches and how Jesus wrote letters to the seven mm -hmm. churches. What would he write to us today as a church? Mm -hmm. What letter would he write to us? And what we were talking about is the call to repentance. There's a need for healing in our nation today. And, and repentance is where we start. Mm -hmm. And how do I model repentance mm -hmm. in our culture today? Laura, thank you for sharing your story. I, mm -hmm. I love her story and how yeah. she enters in with the nations. Yeah, it shares, I mean, there, there's a commonality of experience, of brokenness, of being a foreigner, being, being an alien, not, not knowing where we belong, which is the, wonderful, the wonderful message we have in the church is that all of our stories, as disconnected and as broken, as messed up as they are, are part of that bigger story that Amen. God has, that He wants all of us to be invited into, and He wants the people that we're talking to, regardless of their, their race, their ethnic background, their socioeconomic level, their woundedness, regardless of that, to be able to invite them to be a part of this great story. And the cool thing is we know how this story ends, and we know the victory that God wants Amen. to bring into their lives. This is cool. And we, and we could keep swimming in these waters all day, and I, and I would love to. But big thing we want to do today for our congregation is to talk specific. What are some specific steps people can take? And there might be someone in our church, maybe sitting here in the room today, is like, I'm already involved in, you know, six things, don't give me one more. But there might be some that are like, no, help me. Where can we connect? And so we've connect, we put together a guide on our website, the, the page is efree.org slash make a difference. efree.org slash make a difference. And if you go to this website page, you're going to see the first step is to identify your personal mission field, which are who are the people that live around me? Who do I work with? Who do I go to school with? Those, that's, that's all of our personal mission field. Then can look at ministries here at First Free. Like we heard earlier, Kid Connection is looking for some help, or student ministries, our groups ministry, our prayer ministry, for example, in our care ministry needs, needs some people to make a difference by calling and checking up on people that are on our prayer list, because we've got one or two people trying to keep up with a long list of people that we're praying for and getting reports from. Uh, there are a lot of in-house ministries where people can make a difference. And then we have our global and our local outreach opportunities in our global ministry. We, we support missionaries as a church, but there are some of our missionaries that need financial support beyond that. Um, Brad, as we mentioned, is our uh, multicultural church planting director in the Central District. That's an opportunity to do that. We want teams around our missionaries. And we have a lot of outreach teams that we've put together and more that we want to put together that will be kind of vehicles for us to be able to serve. We heard about Bridge of Hope earlier, ESL, Cup of Nations we'll talk about. Um, we have a new immigrant refugee mentoring team that we're, we're just launching, which will, will provide training for you and connect you with a, an immigrant family so that you can do a little bit of what Laura's doing with, with ESL there, um, and Carmen Trails Elementary School. These are just a few. So let's, let's dive into some of them. So um, Laura, we, we heard a little bit about Bridge of Hope earlier in the video. What are opportunities that either are ready now or might be in the future for people to jump in and help at Bridge of Hope? You know, you're speaking to my heart because I've been a part of the ESL program here for about 11, a little over 11 years or so. And just realizing that you can be involved. We have so many ways to get involved from the very 
a very simple, um, converse, be a conversation starter uh, during a meal, uh, helping to cook a meal. Being, it's more than just teaching, being administrator, showing hospitality. Um, um, we have the um, Bridge of Hope as well. And we are starting, we're going to be also be starting um, a new ministry um, and we're going to start piloting. It's, it's, I, we haven't a name for it yet, but it's basically it's mentoring immigrants and refugees, helping them, be, being their friend, making, helping them to have an American community here that can help them through the cultural understandings of, of life here in America. And a perfect example is I was talking to Shannon Potter the other day. And she was telling me about this, about this young gal, Gloria, who lives with them right now. And she's from the Democratic Republic of Congo. And for the first time, she needed to go and fill her car up with gasoline. And she got to the gas station, and she never, I think she never really paid attention to how it was done when she was with other people. And she got out of the car, and she looked at this gas tank, and she was clueless. She didn't know how to pay for the, the gasoline. She didn't know how to pump the gasoline. She didn't know how to open the tank, the tank to her car. And those, are, those just seem, they're so innate to us because we learned them when we were kids. But those are the things that they need to learn to understand because it's not necessarily the way it is in their home countries. Yeah. So that's a simple, so just getting to befriend, um, befriend families, begin to friend, befriend um, individuals and couples, or uh, I, and I think the need is very great for men, because women have a way of connecting with each other. But men, they and, and a lot of other foreign countries, they like to connect together. They like groups, and they love to sit around and drink coffee together. And it's not for 15 minutes or 20 minutes. It could be an hour. It could be two. And you just have to be respectful of their cultures. So, so there's so yeah so so I love that so very specifically in this Im immigrant men mentoring ministry is, is mm -hmm. new so right. if any of you or anyone watching wants to get in on the ground floor if you go to efree.org/makeadifference there there are ways to respond to all of these outreach teams that we're looking at and you can get on the ground floor of this mm -hmm. we talk about bridge of hope bridge mm -hmm. of hope we have the tutoring ministry there which many of you are already doing we're excited about that they need more they have a garden across the street that needs a lot of help and people to come and help there more work in the building um, a lot of opportunities but some of it is just maybe your group could go to bridge of hope and just spend some time serving a meal or helping or getting to know some of the people that they serve there there are all kinds of ways for us to be able to help. And we want to just invite you to, uh, to talk to us so that we can make sure you as individual couples, families, or as, as a small group maybe, or a Sunday morning group can get, can, can get connected. One other one is uh, our, our, uh, our soccer ministry, the Cup of Nations. And Brad, if you could share a little bit about Cup of Nations and how people could get involved practically in that, that would be really cool. Sure. Well, John, October 24th is our next October, uh, our next Cup of Nations. And I, uh, uh, please understand that you don't have to be a soccer expert. <laughs> we just, ministry is all about relationships. It's all about building relationships. And St. Louis is the third fastest growing foreign-born city in America. So the nations are here. 
God has given us the mission field across the street and around the world. And so in the midst of Cup of Nations, people can hand out water bottles, they can chase balls. We need people just to be there and to build relationships with people. And one, one of the key aspects of that is, is recognizing even through next door to us at Carmen Trails, we've been running ESL and we have an inflatable soccer field that we take around to schools all over the city. And we've been running ESL next door for six years with Carmen Trails. Uh, at, at, at summertime, and, and our ESL teachers at Carmen Trails will say, you know what, the boys won't come unless we have soccer. <laughs> and so that's it. Men bond with sport or with long coffees together. So the dynamic is uh, we just, it's all about relationships. And sport is a way for us to build bridges, to be able to build relationships, to make disciples. And one quick story, John, is we had Coach Ahmad from Afghanistan, who had been here for many years, 10 years. We invited him into a home and we were all having meals with Cup of Nations and he started crying. Mm -hmm. And they said, What's, have we done something to offend you? And he says, this is the first time as a Muslim man in America I've ever been in an American's home. Yeah. Only one out of 10 internationals ever get invited mm -hmm. to an American's home. And That's, so just build, building those yeah. bridges. It really is. And we, we sometimes depend on the programs. Even if we have a program, it's the relationships in that program that make a difference. So again, I just encourage everyone, go to efree.org slash make a difference and pray about where the Lord will want to use you to make a difference in someone's life. And follow the instructions, inquire about things talk to us. We have a lot of ways we want to help train and equip everybody to be able to serve. And the last thing I want to share, and this is on that sheet as well, on October 1st and 2nd, we are going to be simulcasting the Good for All Conference. And this conference is live in Des Moines, Iowa, from one of our sister evangelical free churches there. And it is two days that will focus with a, a powerful lineup of speakers, but two days that will focus on how we can make a difference in our community. So you will want to really mark your calendars and plan on joining Tim us Tebow. there. Tim, Tim Tebow is one of the speakers. Yeah, that'll, that'll draw. So, uh, all right. So Laura and Brad, thank you so much for joining me today. This thank has been you, really good. Can we thank them for, for sharing today? Let's, uh, let's bow our heads and pray, and then we'll move into communion. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to make a difference for the gospel. Thank you that you have chosen people like us who, as we even said in our panel, are, are people in need, that we, we need the gospel to then in turn take the gospel to those around us. Um, I pray that you would take this sermon series we've been talking about for several weeks, the power of small, how little things make a big difference. And, and for each one of us, individually and families, help us look across the street, look across the table, look across the workplace, look across our classroom, look across the nation, and look across the world, and then ask that question, how are you going to use us to make a difference for your gospel? We, do the, we ask that you do this for your glory. Amen.